Welcome to HR Insights, the podcast, topical discussions with and for our global HR community. Hi, and welcome back to HR Insights, the podcast with your host, Emily Ramji. This week, I'm excited to be chatting to John Shoshani, co-founder of June. John has spent the last decade working at the intersection of wellness and technology and is super passionate about building businesses that help people lead happier and healthier lives. When John's not working, he's sleeping, cooking, eating, singing, hiking, biking, slacklining and riding his street rider. John, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here with you, Emily. It's great to have you on the podcast. I look to kick things off, as I do with all my guests, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Can you tell us one thing that you're grateful for? Water. <laughs> what will be the first place you fly to when air travel resumes? Japan. Mm. Mm. The best thing that you've learned about yourself during lockdown? That life is a constant bubbling up of newness. It doesn't stop. Change is always happening. Thank you. And then finally, John, what do you see to be the biggest HR trend of 2021? Mm. Flexibility. The word flexibility has made its way into um, the way that we manage people and and treat our employees and, and their diverse work schedules, which I'm sure we'll dive deeper into and just their diversity of needs um, and having that ability to persevere to be flexible i think is is going to continue to be a permanent feature in work that's cool thanks very much for sharing of course our podcast today discusses well-being benefits for the modern workforce The topic of wellness and well-being have exploded in recent years, particularly over the last 12 months due to the impact the pandemic has had on our mental and physical health and how we live and work. From the conversations I've been having with my team internally and with individuals externally, it struck me how we see both common themes and trends in regards to wellness and well-being, but also some deeply personal situations. In order to best support employees, organisations therefore need to gather the right data and have the right sorts of conversations in order to design tailored interventions that have the most impact. And this customizable approach to wellness was one of the things that really struck me about June's offering. So I'm really looking forward to learning more from you today, John. When we were chatting earlier, I was asking you, is there a difference between wellness and well-being? It was something that I was thinking about before we kicked off the podcast. So I'd love to have your thoughts on that before we launch into the rest of our questions. Sure. Yeah. So in many ways, we use wellness and well-being interchangeably, but we've also found that the word wellness has in some respect been diluted. Uh, You know, everything now, uh, even wine and alcohol has now been branded as a form of wellness, um, which is cool. You know, everyone has their, the things they need in order to feel well, but There's also this concept that we came across when we dove into the HR and the even the health insurance uh, world, Um, this concept of total employee well-being. And that's looking at well-being or someone's health in a more comprehensive uh, manner, thinking about not just their physical fitness or their physical health, but their mental health, their financial health, 
the health of their families. Um, you know, and some, some people even want to think about the health of the environment, which I think is great as well. So it's really looking at well-being in, in a way that's a, that's a little bit more holistic. Well-being can also be a word that sounds more like contentment or can feel a little bit more whole, at least to me. Yeah, and that kind of aligns with exactly what I was able to find online in terms of well-being more a state of mind and wellness being more these sets of habits and behaviours or the way you live a healthy lifestyle. But I love the way you're really defining that to be truly holistic in terms of the different elements that you were talking about earlier. So in terms of your experience and knowledge, John, as someone that's been working in this space for over a decade now, what do you think is wrong with HR and employee experience technologies today? And in particular, what's wrong with the benefits space? Sure. So companies today spend somewhere around $300 billion a year on employee experience technologies. Um, But when you really look at how those technologies are being used, um, they're often being underutilized. They're not being used. Um, they still require a lot of administrative work for uh, HR and and ops teams. Um, and oftentimes they're fragmented. They're hard to use. And that all those qualities have become even pronou- more pronounced during these times we're in um, with the pandemic and the exodus, the mass exodus to remote work. When it comes in. to benefits more particularly, um, many of those issues that I mentioned are exactly the same ones that are present when it comes to benefits. Um, But even to go a little bit deeper, um, you know, what we found in the benefits world and and specifically in the well-being benefits world were that people, companies were offering these things, but employees weren't using them. Um, So maybe they were doing something like doing a wellness reimbursement through expense reporting software. And it was creating a lot of administrative burden for employers to need to manage these things manually. And employees needed to remember to submit receipts to HR. And it started to feel more like a burden rather than a benefit. Um, Or an HR team was going and contracting with an individual vendor. um, And for many employees, that vendor didn't feel like wellness to them. So they weren't using it. So it's this idea of getting a little bit more personalized um, is is where we see a lot of opportunity in that space and where there's something broken and there's something there to fix. And so kind of taking that one step further, what is different about June's approach to employee well-being compared to some of these pre-existing technologies? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first is what we spoke about at the beginning of the the conversation around just well-being. You know, we don't just focus on physical fitness. Um, Our platform has other categories, um, benefit categories that are focused on family care, as an example, that are focused on mental health, that are even focused on the financial health piece. We have a student loan repayment category. Um, Two is the personalization and the ability to put employees in the driver's seat. So employees can really choose what they need in order to feel well. That might change between the month of March and the month of April. Um, It might change at different life stages as you have kids or a family. So that those are two of the the main things that, you know, total employee well-being, as well as that flexibility and that freedom of choice for the employee. And so can you maybe give us an example of what an employee might have um, 
to be able to choose between and how that would actually play out in a in a month or a year in terms of that flexibility to change yeah i would love to so elliot scott hr would sign up i'm just manifesting that right now um, they're going to give their empl- every employee a hundred dollars to spend as they would like on food family care health and wellness and learning and development those are our most popular categories You, Emily, would get an invite and all you need to do is you'd link your card to June and then you would go out and you'd spend on those within those categories as you normally would. Maybe you're paying a babysitter, maybe you're paying for your Peloton bike, um, maybe you're trying a meditation app like Headspace or maybe even paying for out-of-pocket therapy expenses. Mm -hmm. Our platform will validate that and then every month, as long as you've spent within the categories that your employer has designated, you'll get $100 back into your bank account without you having to do anything. If you, Emily, didn't know how to use those dollars, you can always get in touch with our team. You can chat with us. You can send us an email. You can book time on our calendar. We'll learn more about your well-being and your lifestyle goals, and then we'll point you in the right direction and make a personalized uh, recommendation or plan about how you can use those dollars in a way that's meaningful to you in a way that's aligned with your goals yeah look that's really cool isn't it because it's so personable it's easy I think easy is something that we've learned over the years has to be part of an offering as like you were saying before otherwise it's harder for people to take up but I also like how kind of small steps some of those examples were that you gave um And I remember when we were first talking, John, you shared a story with me around your own experience. And um, was it something to do with a yoga mat? Like it was that kind of first step of being able to start doing yoga and actually rather than having to commit necessarily to a full program, it was the offering of being able to get started. And that's often what we need to form new habits, isn't it? That first step of doing something without it feeling such a big financial investment or such a big leap will change. Yes. Yeah, so about 10 years ago, I was struggling with some of my own health and wellness uh, problems. And because natural food and healthy food had sort of been the conduit for me, I jumped into the natural foods industry. One of my employers subsidized yoga, healthy meals and therapy. And for me, I was never really, I was having a chronic knee problems. And I was never really willing to invest in yoga because of the cost or the price. And for for me, when the price was taken or the cost was taken out of the equation, when money was taken out of the equation, I was willing to really invest in, in, in my well-being and take my health into my own hands. And that's what we've seen as a broader trend with our products. You know, even with something as simple and as um, somewhat cost effective as headspace you know it's like eleven dollars a month people put it on the back burner because of the cost um it, it many times money is the is one of the things that deters us from changing behavior and employers now have the ab- ability to remove some of that friction and empower their people to do what makes them feel good and to to practice wellness in a way that's meaningful to them mm. Um, And with your experience of working with organizations globally, can you share some perspectives on any companies who are demonstrating like genuine best practice in this space around creating a culture of wellness? Yeah. So some of the best companies I've seen, it really starts at the top and 
the CEO, the executives, the founders are practicing what they preach, whether it's them taking a digital detox of sorts and, and being off for at least 24 hours in the week and not bombarding employees with requests, or really going from putting these practices into writing. And for us, that means not just giving your employees a bunch of resources and information on well-being, it's giving them actionable resources. And many times that's where a platform like ours comes in. Um, But our platform isn't a panacea. Um, It's not going to solve all your culture problems and your needs. It's, It's really thinking about that total employee well-being and that comprehensive holistic approach and having other ways to support your people. Um, Really listening to people's needs, checking in with them, and then delivering on what you're hearing rather than just sort of standing idly by. And and listening to what you were saying there, how have you seen your area of, of benefits and particularly wellness influence how organizations are beginning to think about the broader employee life cycle so if we think about employee attraction employee retention in particular um is there much sort of happening between the link of wellness back to those sorts of activities yeah so i think it's something around companies lose like a trillion dollars which is you can't even really grasp that a year in attrition and sometimes people also ask me, it's like, how do people have the money to give to give their employees an extra $100 a month, you know, $1,200 a year, as an example, for health and well-being? It's a lot of oftentimes more traditional industries that maybe don't as, uh, understand the knowledge worker as well. And that's all to say that loyalty from your employees is, is worth a lot. It's worth more than $1,200 a year. Um, you know, having someone stick around for you in the long run, you don't have to, the cost of retraining them, the cost of, um, you know, building that trust and building that bond and building that dynamic work flow. Um, all of that is, all of that comes with having an employee that's there for the long run and, and millennials especially are jumping from job to job. So being able to offer some, someone something that keeps them around for a longer period of time and not just keeps them around, but keeps them around feeling like the best version of themselves um, is where our platform really fits in, in terms of impacting recruiting and retention. Mm. And it is like being able to genuinely offer benefits that make a difference, isn't it? I was talking recently to the heads of comp and benefits um, from Mia for a really well-known tech company And she was saying in the, you know, time she's been in the industry, and that's been a while now, how she's seen it shift from being the role of compensation and benefits, very comp heavy, to now far more focused on benefits. And in recent times, just that benefit piece being broken down into a much, much bigger focus on mental health and wellness. And then within that, how do you really start to ensure that everybody across the organization from newbies joining um, through the sort of interview process through to your long-standing employees really do understand what's available to them and how can they maximize that a little bit like I, what I was saying at the outset you know in a, a way that sometimes might be a common theme and a whole you know population of people are up for it and need something similar versus then 
something that's very personalized or individual. Um, but looking at it through the cost of attrition and through the cost of, you know, performance and going back to things like employee engagement and how greater engagement drives performance has been a lot more research than that is a really good way to be able to try and sell that in, isn't it? In terms of how do we get some more budget or to think about this slightly differently if we've got um, barriers to overcome before we can seek that investment. Yeah. And, and it, that also goes back to that difference between wellness and well-being. So, you know, in the last five to 10 years, a lot of the research around corporate wellness has been fuzzy and there hasn't been enough data for many people about how and whether corporate wellness actually works. And in our opinion, that's because corporate wellness hasn't been done right. Um, many of the ways that we actually measure success is around utilization and engagement. So how can you say something doesn't work when only five to 10% of people are actually using it? Um, mm. We really want to take another look at that data and really prove that corporate wellness works because it intuitively makes sense that if people are feeling like the best version of themselves, if people have what they need to feel well, then your company is going to perform better. So we're really proud to be seeing you know over 80% of an employee base um, signing up and utilizing June as a benefit. And, you know, then we think we can kind of turn corporate wellness on its head, create a more inclusive and equitable offering um, that's meaningful to everyone and yeah, make, make people's dreams come true. <laughs> and before we finish the conversation, John, I'd be really interested to hear where did the name June come from? Is there a story behind this? Sure. So, you know, in both my co-founder and I, and even some of our early employees were Iranian Americans or Persian, you know, we're first generation here in, in the US. Our parents all came from Iran. Um, we're also Jewish and our parents fled because of religious persecution in, in 1979. And the word June uh, really encompasses the type of culture we've been raised in. We've been raised with a lot of love, a lot of care, a lot of support. And June is actually a word that means energy life and is used as a form of endearment. So like Emily, thank you, Emily June. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And the the term actually came to us when my my co-founder was in a cab ride in DC. The cab driver was Persian looks back at him, asks him what his uh, last name is, because that's what a lot of Persians do. You know, you want to know, you want to size someone up and know where they come from. And he like hesitantly tells him his last name, El, El Ganyan, and the cab driver stops. And at this point, my co-founder is freaking out, like what's going on? And he looks back at him and he has tears in his eyes and a smile on his face. And he reaches into his jacket pocket, pulls out, uh, this punch card that also doubled down as like a meal card um, and goes on to tell him story after story about how his family took care of him and his family 30 plus years ago when they were living in Iran. Everything, they manufactured refrigerators as an example. And for any employee that didn't have a refrigerator, they would give them one. They started to do housing for employees. If an employee was sick, they would send them out of the country to go get surgery, like a new, you know, the best healthcare you could find. And he really went in that conversation, said, your family gave me the June, the energy, the life to survive. And his great uncle was unfortunately um, assassinated by the regime. Um, 
but it was amazing. That story really stood out to us to see that although someone's life had been ended um, in this way, the, the feeling of taking care of your people, of supporting your employees, that withstood the test of time. That's something that you can never take away from, from anyone. And that's really what we're trying to bring into today's crazy world. Wow. I mean, that is a powerful backstory. And yeah, if you think that you can help organizations, you know, build their culture just that little bit more to genuinely support employees and provide that deeper level of care, then, you know, you're obviously doing something pretty special and be really interesting to see how the research and the mantra and sort of the thought leadership around wellness and well-being um, really does shift over the next five years, won't it? Yeah, it's, I think the pandemic over the last year, there's there's been three things that we really get to talk and think about a lot. One is health. Two is people. Three is money. And I feel really grateful that we get to to complement those things and connect those in a way um, that really matters. Um, and really excited about what you guys are doing at Elliot Scott and all the thought leadership around um, HR and recruiting and people ops and looking forward to seeing what what you guys accomplish and do. Um, I'm curious, you know, from the recruiting perspective, how would you think about the the intersection of like employee well being and benefits and like recruiting as as a segment of HR? Do you mean in terms of how that is discussed during the recruitment process? At, at what stage or? Yeah, how it affects. Yeah, how it's how it's discussed and how it's how it does or does not affect recruiting of talent. Yeah, I think it's hugely significant. I think you know there are multiple surveys that have been done over the last decade and longer that look at what's the most important determinant of you accepting a job offer or not. And you know we've seen that shift away from pure base pay and bonus, so to total compensation too far more around um you know employee social responsibility in terms of the contribution of that organization to society to the environment the culture of that organization more holistically and within that things like wellness and leadership style leadership accountability and increasingly um diversity and inclusion and what that organization is actively doing to build and foster an inclusive workforce um, you know, that is a growing topic on this podcast because it just feels at the moment within the broader HR space that is such um, a growing and important and interesting topic that organisations are grappling with the world over. You know, different countries are at different stages of that journey. But it's, I mean, it's very relevant to answer your question and it shifts. And we do see differences in terms of our geography. So, you know, what we're seeing and hearing in America doesn't necessarily translate to exactly what we're seeing and hearing in Asia. And that's where it's, you know, just great to have these sorts of conversations to learn from people that are tapping into organisations and having specific conversations about where people are spending and what results they're getting. Totally. John, thank you so much for joining me on the conversation today. Um, it's been a pleasure to understand a little bit more about Jean's quest and Jean's history. Um, do keep in touch and I wish you all the best. Likewise, excited to find more opportunities to make magic happen together.
<laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to share any thoughts or comments, you can get in touch with our host, Emily Ramsey at er at elliotsguyhr.com. Elliot HR is an award-winning specialist in HR recruitment. We serve the HR community globally and have placed HR leaders in over 30 countries. There are over 90,000 members in the Elliot Sky HR community. Please join us via our website, elliotsguyhr.com or our LinkedIn page. Take a look at the other episodes in our podcast series, your blog, and check out our upcoming events hosted in our five global locations.